Christmas Eve night and you listen to Romans chapter 8, 1 through 4, and you think that is not our traditional Christmas text. Why would we, for our focus tonight in this homily section, why would we look at Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4? At first glance, there's not a lot of Christmas to this. Until you realize what he's saying here in verse 3, Paul, who's written this letter to the Rome, the church at Rome, says this. He says that God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. What has he done? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. What has God done? He has sent his son. This is Paul's reference of the incarnation right in the middle of this glorious eighth chapter of the book of Romans. Paul is remembering the reality that the gospel is very tied to the incarnation. The incarnation, the enfleshment that Jesus Christ put on flesh. God, the second member of the Trinity, puts on flesh, enters into space and time. And he has been sent by God. This is what Paul says in, in here in Romans 8, 4, that God has sent his own son. Now, sending carries meaning. When you use a word like send, there's, there's purpose. There is mission to the idea of being sent. You don't, uh, send is, has a very particular um, purpose. It has a meaning. For instance, um, I, I work uptown at the post office. My day gets done about 3.30 or so or 4. And lots of times at the end of my day, my wife will text me and say, Hey, uh, I want to send you to the grocery store to, to, you know, to go get some food. But imagine for supper that night or whatever it might be, an errand of some type. But imagine this scenario, which maybe has happened to you, but you would... I wouldn't make any sense. You get a text and the text goes like this. My wife or whoever texts you and say, I want to send you to the grocery store. And so I would text back. Sure, I, I can do that. And then I wait and not, there's no other text. What if that were to happen to you? Someone has said, well, you I want to send you to the grocery store to wherever. And then you said, sure. And then you heard nothing else. What's your next text going to be? Do you want anything specific, right? What for? Why are you sending me? Because the whole idea of being sent somewhere carries this idea that there is a purpose. There is a meaning. It isn't just go to the grocery store just because I want you to go there. And I don't know. I mean, there's, there's mission. There is purpose to this usage of the term send. God has sent his son. In the same way that this has purpose when you're texting back and forth, God has purpose and meaning in the sending of his son. If I am being sent, it is implied that there is purpose to the sending. So when we see that God sent the son, that God has done what what we could not do, the law weakened in the flesh by sending his own son, we should ask this question. If God has sent, what's the point? What is the purpose? If sending has meaning, has mission, has purpose, and God has sent his son, we have the incarnation, we have Christmas, we have the manger scene that we celebrate. If God has done this, we have to ask then for what purpose was the son sent. If we keep reading in Romans, we, we are helped. 
Right? For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. The Son was sent to condemn sin in the flesh, to put sin away. How does that relate to us at Christmas? Okay, so if that's the mission, Jesus was sent. Being sent means there's a purpose, and the purpose is to put away sin or to condemn sin in the flesh. How does that have anything or relate to us at all? Well, the sin that Jesus was sent to deal with was not his own sin. Jesus had no sin. Jesus was, there had no accusation of sinfulness. He claimed to be God, but uh, when we really are God, that's not an error, that's not sin, that's not blasphemy. Jesus had no sin. We look back where we started, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If that statement's true, then Christmas comes with a very sobering reality. If there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, it means that being in Christ has brought you deliverance from condemnation. Therefore, apart from Jesus Christ, the reality for all of us is condemnation. If what Christ has done in His coming is to put condemnation aside, not His own, but our condemnation, the reality is that without Christ, we are under condemnation. For your greatest joy at Christmas, and that's what I'm about. I know that you're hearing, whoa, this is getting kind of heavy pretty quick, Darren. Condemnation. But what I'm about here tonight is your greatest joy at Christmas. But in order for your joy to be great, to be heightened, to be weighty, in order for your joy to be weighty at Christmas, two realities must be clear in your mind. You must see these two realities. And the first is the reality of your condemnation apart from Christ. And the second is the reality of your desperation. Your condemnation and your desperation. And if you want your joy to be great at Christmas, these two realities have got to be remembered. It's popular today for us to pretend like everyone is okay. And we just affirm everyone on everything. Pursue your own pursuits, follow your own heart, follow your own dreams. You know, what, this encouragement comes from an entirely different worldview than the one that Christianity has, which says that the Bible tells us clearly that mankind is fallen and sinful. He is born in a fallen state. He has, a, has inherited a sin nature. We have all inherited a sin nature from our first father, Adam. And because of this reality, we are all born dead in sins and in rebellion against God. Because we have been commanded. Everyone knows the first two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Because we've been commanded to do these things, but have failed. No one has loved God perfectly with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not for a second of your existence. And no one has loved their neighbor as they've loved themselves. You maybe have done good things for your neighbor, been nice at times, but to love them with the same love with which you love yourself, it has not existed. That law still sits out there that God has commanded. As creator, he deserves 
our undying worship and devotion, and he has not received it. And because of this, the result of this is justice. We all like justice. We want to, we want to see right done. Because God is holy and righteous and has created us and has set these standards and we have transgressed them, there is Justice, which is condemnation. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, not met God's standards. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. This is the condemnation that we have coming to us. You have to, if you want your highest joy at Christmas, you must remember that reality. But it gets worse. (laughs) Because even remembering that reality of your condemnation, you have to also realize your desperation. The reality is, for your fullest joy, you have to see both of these realities. Not only are you condemned, there also is no way for you to get yourself out of your condemnation. There is no way to get out from under this penalty. It is too late for each one of us. It is too late. You could be perfect. So you hear this message and you think, I'm going to go out right and I'm going I'm to be perfect from here on out. And even if you could pull it off, which I would say you probably can't, but let's pretend that you could, it doesn't matter because who has shown up here and has never transgressed yet? We all have. It wouldn't matter. You have already transgressed. We are all at sinners at war with God in our natural state. And we have nothing but justice headed our way. We have to remember the reality of our condemnation and the desperation that we are in. There is nothing that I can do, there is nothing that you can do to climb out from under this justice, this condemnation that is coming from a holy and righteous God. There is nothing you can do to stop it. These two realities need to be remembered at Christmas for your fullest joy because what is the joy of Christmas? You could do nothing, but God did. You could do nothing, but God has done everything needed. What if God did something? So you are under condemnation. We are and transgressors. We have rebelled. We have no way to climb out. But what if God does something? What if this is exactly what he is doing when we celebrate Christmas? And the good news is that though we sit under condemnation in our natural state, and though we are in desperate in a desperate condition, God has done something about it. Christ comes as a baby and he fulfills the righteous requirement of the law. That's what Romans is talking about there. In order that the righteous, righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. Christ comes and he lives without sin. He fulfills the righteous requirement. And yet, as he comes, he takes the condemnation of sin upon himself. You cannot separate Christmas from the cross. This, this baby who was born is going to live the righteous life that you and I should have lived but failed to do. And he's going to take the condemnation that we deserve upon himself. So that... Every one of us in this room here tonight could know the joy of forgiveness of your sins, freedom from your condemnation, restoration from the brokenness that has happened because of your sin between you and God, done not because of something you have earned, but earned by another. This is the purpose of the sending of the Son. The purpose that is born, the Word made flesh that we celebrate as Christmas. This is the purpose of the sending of the Son. To save 
sinners. Christ did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the many. Mark 10, 45. But hear me. Not only did God send his son, he also has sent the message of his son. Not only did God send his son, what we celebrate at Christmas, he also has sent the message about his son. What was done by God in the incarnation was not done behind closed doors. In fact, it was so not behind closed doors that what does the, what do the angels do? They light up the sky and tell the shepherds, go see what God has done, a baby in a manger. God was not hiding what he was doing. Jesus, in his public ministry, in his public execution, God was not hiding what he was done. God sent the Son, but he also has sent the message of his Son. Remember, sending always has a purpose. If he sent the Son, and the purpose was to die, to live the righteous life we should have lived, and to die the death that we deserve, the sending of the message has a purpose too. The sending of this message has a purpose too. Just as God had a purpose in sending His Son to rescue sinners, God has a purpose in sending the message of this good news throughout the world. And that purpose is what? So that each one of us, sitting here in this room tonight, 2,000 years removed from this life, could hear this message of good news and rejoice. Rejoice in the reality of who Christ is and what he has done. It is so easy to, to look at this event and see it and read it as a story we are outside of. As Angie was reading the narrative there in the, in the Gospels of the birth of Christ, it's so easy to disconnect from that and to take like a third-person view of someone who is just viewing what God has done. But God has not only sent His Son, He sent the message in such a real way that none of us sitting here tonight disconnected from this story. We are part of this story. You are a part of this story. Not only has God sent His Son, He has sent the message about the Son so that you and I, sitting here in the middle of southern Iowa, out in the middle of nowhere, could hear the, the message has gone around the globe and has persevered for thousands of years so that you, you could sit here tonight and be called into this story of this son who was sent and lived the righteous life for you and took your sins upon himself. Don't disconnect from this story. This is your story. God is, this is in the timeline of history that God has done this. And he has sent this message so that each one of us would not view it as some third party, but intimately involved in the story of the birth of the son. It is a narrative that you are invited into. In fact, right now, if you're hearing this, God is calling you into what he is doing. The purpose in sending out the message of this good news is that you would believe. Believe. What is the works they ask Jesus? What are the works that we should be doing? And Jesus says the works of God are, are these. Believe in the one that he has sent. It wasn't a work at all. It was believe. But belief always has an object. It isn't just Believe believe in whatever you want to believe. No, that the faith, belief has an object. And the object is the person of Jesus Christ. That He has come. 
that he has been born to rescue sinners. And yes, sitting here in Iowa in 2018, that's a story for you. That is a story for your great joy. And my desire for every one of us in this place tonight is for the greatest joy we could ever have. The greatest of all joys that is found in our deliverance from condemnation. You cannot work your way out of it. But Christ has made a way where you could not make one. For here tonight, if you're you're here tonight and you've never truly confessed yourself in that reality as a sinner, as a transgressor, deserving of God's justice and personally trusted, not in some abstract way of Jesus is a story that I know about, but in a real way, I'm trusting in this story. I'm trusting in this Savior. I'm trusting in this life and this death, this resurrection for my own freedom from condemnation. This is the Christmas to believe and to place your faith in Christ. And if you're here tonight and you have trusted Christ, this is your wake-up call. This is our re-illumination. This is our intentional remembering what grace and mercy our God has shown to us in sending His Son. Not because we deserved it, not because we earned it, but because He is the God of love and mercy and grace. Do not be lulled to sleep over this incredible good news this Christmas season. See it. Know your place in it. Repent, believe, and rejoice in all that God has done for us and His Son, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I desire the greatest joy that could be had that we would know reconciliation with our creator. And though we have sinned, though we have ran the other way, though we all like sheep have gone astray, as Isaiah 53 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. That passage goes on to tell us, God, that you laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And God, may every heart in this place tonight know that joy this Christmas. The sending of the Son to save sinners because of His grace, His mercy, and His love. Give us eyes to see it, hearts enlivened by it, and full of joy in all that you've done for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.